We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, what's up, everybody? How you doing? Welcome to this bonus Wednesday episode, Talking Buffalo Podcast. It is the Finer Wings Club. We are here at Imperial Pizza on Abbey Road in South Buffalo, a big-time staple of South Buffalo. And I'll tell you what, the first two episodes of this that I did, Mulberry, Sports City Pizza Pub, I was excited, very happy to do them. But this one I'm more excited about than any of them. And it's not even because Red Imperial, which I love that. We'll talk about that in a minute. But I finally got three episodes in. The two people that I wanted to have from the get-go. I'm no talking offense to, to Matt Perino. No offense no, to Matt Perino. Much love to Matt Perino. We'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> Yeah, I just I was totally dissing Matt. That's not what I meant, Matt. But anyway, I am joined again by Nate Gary from WGR 550. Two of three times so far. Two or three times. Two or three. And Marcel Louis Jacques from ESPN.com, Buffalo Bills beat reporter, who just had to go out of town for week one of this. <laughs> Look, man, I don't know what happened. All of a sudden, July, I feel like I have not been in town any given weekend. And like when you hit me up last week, I read the first couple lines and I said, oh my God, I'm going out of town again. I'm, this is it. Like, I'm going to get kicked out of the Wings Club. I'm going to lose my membership. But uh, thankfully, we were able to make it work, man. We can get some food in. Well, I, I want to say this because when I came up with this idea of doing this like weekly series, Final Wings Club, quite literally, you two are the, the, the people. Now, we're not going to do every week. You know, I'm going to have different guests here and there. But you guys were the inspiration for me wanting to do this. I was sitting there in Florida and watching. You guys on Twitter always talking about just, well, just, eat just food wings, just eat all food the time, all the time, but especially the wings, obviously, because, you know, I, I'm a big wings guy. And, and that's kind of what inspired me to uh, to want to do this series. So it is good to have both you guys here. And again, before I get in trouble with Matt, I love Matt. Matt has actually done three shows with me at different places where we've had wings. So I love having Matt on. But yeah, the premise, the original premise was to have Nate and Marcel on, at least for the first episode. Listen, you know, Perino's also Marcel's backup food date to me. When, I, when I'm unavailable, Marcel grabs Perino, and, and he'll go out, he'll third wheel that. So it works out in the reverse order here. So it's totally fine. But, man, Perino's a snazzy dresser. Like it's, it's all about the hair. That's why I can't invite him out all the time because I can't get shown up anytime I show up to a restaurant, man. Like, listen, uh, listen, let me, let me just, let me just put a, a stop to this right now because there's no more humbling experience than – Going out at like 2 a.m. at Frizzy's Bar in downtown Allen 
and have, you know, I'm just sitting there at the bar with Marcel and I don't know, like 10 dudes walked up to just be like, yo, are, are you Marcel? Are you Marcel from ESPN? And then like one guy at the end was like, oh yeah, you're Nate, huh? And I'm like, yeah, I'm Nate. So yeah, there's just no more humbling experience. Somebody's got to keep you grounded, man. Then hanging out with Marcel Louis Jacques. <laughs> it's actually it was kind of tough because like all right, so we are we're sitting at the bar, right? And uh, there's somebody behind us that's just leaning, really heavy, and uh, it just drives me nuts, man. Like I'm not quick to anger. I'm not. I don't pick fights. Like I can't now, but uh, he was just leaning way too hard. So I started. I'd lean forward, and he'd keep going. <laughs> I give him in, he just take more, take and take. So I was like, okay, I can't do it. I turn around, I tap him, I said, yo, man, you good? He looks at me, he goes, yeah, I'm good, but I know who you are. And I was like, <laughs> oh, crap, now I can't yell. Because my next, my next words to him were not going to be so kind. So as soon as he said that, then it was like, oh, shoot, I'm stuck. Is this that is starting to be a little more common for you now? Like, you're around town, you go out and about, you're always out at, you know, restaurants and stuff like that. You started to get noticed a lot more. You've been here for a while now. Um, I feel like it happened more when I first got here, yeah. honestly. But maybe it was because COVID, like everybody was just inside. He was in also a the new kid on the block. But uh, you know, so you were exciting, you were fresh. Yeah, I got and people were really ready to throw Mike Rodak to the wolves. So like he was just <laughs> poor Rodak. Poor Rodak is this city's martyr, and we have Marcel, who is now the savior, uh, because everyone. <laughs> and listen, you know me, 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 and him. Like I know you. We all like Mike. People sure. really just had a negative opinion of Mike. So when, when Marcel, literally, Marcel could have been anybody and they would have embraced him with open arms. Marcel just happens to be a pretty chill dude. So. I, I got to ask you this, Marcel, because and we're going to talk about Imperial here in, in just a couple minutes, but the wedding a couple weeks ago, that photograph <laughs> with you, if people didn't see it, man, I'm going to have to find it on Twitter and put it on Twitter or find Marcel's in and retweeted out. So there was a photograph of Marcel and Rodak kind of in this like face off, like almost like UFC or, or you know, boxing after the weigh in style. Who came up with that idea? How did that come about? Because that was creative uh, as shit, man. I'm trying to think because I know we were a couple whiskey sours deep at that point. <laughs> I feel like it was jointly, you know, it, it was jointly brainstormed. Uh, Matt Perino had a lot to do with it too. Matter of fact, I think. Uh, I think it was my idea to take the photo. Rodak is all for it. And then Perino said, you guys should do like a face-off like uh, like because the UFC fight was that night. So we did that. He's all game for it. I had a couple people comment and be like, wow, I really didn't know Marcel was that short. I'm I'm not. I'm 6'1", 6'2". Rodak is just like a cool 6'5". Right. Like 222, 30. <laughs> like it, the irony for everybody who's never seen him in person and, you know, post all these, you know, empty threats online would – Probably never do anything if they actually saw my Grodak. But, uh, no, man, I, I love the guy. I've said this a hundred times, man. Like, he was instrumental in getting me acclimated here. He sat on the phone with me for, like, two hours before I got here, running me through the city, the team, the beat, like, anything to expect. I always appreciate it. He's been a great sport about that entire thing. Man. Yeah. I, uh, I literally I introduced him to, to my date as – Hey, this is Mike Rodak. This is the reason why Buffalo likes me. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I've, I've had Mike on the podcast once. And, yeah, actually, I've had him on twice. And he's a great sport. And he kind of played along with, the, you know, with the, the heat from the fans. He kind of took that in stride. And he would actually uh, he would have a lot of fun with it. So this is – Nate's been here before at Imperial. You, I'm a veteran. You're a veteran. You've, but you've only been here once. 
since the renovation. This is Marcel's. Oh, yes, uh, to, to Imperial. Yeah, this is an impressive addition. It's like if, basically, we were saying this before, it's actually probably the exact same size or was the exact same size as Macy's. Yeah. And now it's like a museum. It's it's crazy. I mean, this is, this is a big bar, oh, tons yeah. of dining room tables, sports. I am confused by the Sam Darnold signed jersey, though. That That is something that is... That is throwing me off. Like we've got, we've got Jim Craig. We've got, obviously got a bunch of Patty Kane jerseys, a Hashik jersey up in here in the rafters. Multiple, a Tim Kennedy jersey, obviously. But Sam Darnold. Um, you know, we mentioned Sam Darnold. Uh, speaking of the AFC East, Zayvon Howard just requested a trade. Yeah, that, that's a, that officially happened today. Really? Not, not just like rumor or sources say. Yeah, no, like, he said he I it want himself. out. Yeah, wow. I, I feel like out. you never see that. Like. Players do not publicly request a trade. That's huge. Now? Like, yeah. why, why now? Uh, I mean, there was the, the the issue with his contract. I know he mm -hmm. wanted it restructured. You know he wanted more money. And uh, with the new CBA rules, how it works, like, you're fined $50,000 a day when That's you don't show up. That's why Deshaun Watson yeah. showed up. It's probably, probably Aaron Rodgers showed Aaron up. Aaron Rodgers like, shows up. There is There are no more holdouts. Like fifty thousand dollars is no. Uh, listen, I don't care how rich you are. Fifty thousand dollars a day adds up. Th those aren't fun coupons. Yeah, because I mean, ultimately, if you you miss, let's say two days, three days, hundred like, and you come back, that's not really sending a message. Like people aren't gonna, teams aren't shaking in their boots if you miss two, three days. You got to miss a week, two weeks, three weeks. Like you, now we're talking. We're, we're getting dangerously close to that million-dollar mark. Guys are not willing to give that up. Right. But uh, he did show up. He did show up to, to the first day of training camp today. And I guess uh, wanted to clear the air. But that is that is wild. Hate to interrupt. I know we were having a great conversation about the memorabilia and the atmosphere here at, at Imperial. But <laughs> Well, uh, that's news. That's definitely newsworthy. Obviously, this is, you know. You know, that, that's just the classic Pat Moran podcast is – just being able to break news live on the podcast and not even worry about and it. And just a bunch of rambling about 20 different topics. That's right. That's going right. on at once. So, Marcel, this is your first time here at Imperial Pizza, which, by the way, see these garage doors when it's nice out in the summer, they actually open up. They got some acoustic music going on out there. There's just a lot to enjoy. And I, I think to really, truly appreciate this place, like Marcel's walking in for the first time. He's like, all right, man, this is, no, this is a cool-looking sports bar. Yeah. But to see what it used to be, it's just unbelievable because again, this is this is like the heart of South Buffalo Imperial. Which, by the way, even if you hate their food, you don't say that in South Buffalo. No, no, you don't. And listen, I mean, I uh, after college, I lived down the street across from Kaz Park, right on Seneca. Mm -hmm. So this was a you know semi regular occurrence for me. Um, the the sauced pizza logs are actually like one of my favorite things. They were kind of the originator of putting a bunch of sauce on a pizza log and then throwing it on a pit grill. Um, like their barbecue Q logs are like some of the best things I've ever had. So like this place, me and this place go back to, you know, when I was like 22, 23 years old, living in a, you know, three story apartment with four of my friends, you know, uh, the classic, you know, attic with a bunch of Pink Floyd posters, you know, like those kind of days. Um, this place was a, a, a pretty frequented spot for me, but to our, to the point where we were talking about, it's like you'd walk in and it was. No place to sit. There was one cocktail table. If yeah. the guy that just couldn't wait to eat his two slices had a spot to just, car you know, just be a carnivore. Um, otherwise, like this place was a classic takeout pizzeria in the heart of South Buffalo. And now it's like sort of, I think, kind of like the maybe epicenter of 
the changing of the tides of this part of South Buffalo. You talk sure. about Seneca Street. Yeah. Like the Shays uh, South Buffalo has turned and, and helped that area turn into like, I think Seneca's completely re- reformed in that area over there sure. where like Blaisdell Pizza is. So like this is kind of the other epicenter of how South Buffalo is changing and I, this place is awesome. Like I, again, I've only, I was here post COVID the bar wasn't open yet, but I got to see the place. This is this is a really cool spot. Like I, I'd come back here. Yeah, yeah, five years ago when I when I moved to Florida, like to your point, this was just a small takeout place. This was always a place when well, not even necessarily growing up, but being an adult when we'd get together at somebody's house and you know drink and hang out, we would order pizza and wings and you would just get them delivered. This wasn't a place where we would go and sit down and have pizza and wings, let alone drink beers. Not even just beers, by the way, fancy beers that you two uh, cats here are drinking. Well, some here's the thing. Sullivan, some Peroni. I don't even know what that shit the is. The thing about this place has always been the pizza. Like, yeah. And it's right up there. But, like, when you talk about, like, unique pies, this place brings arguably one of the most. Now, it's a niche because it's sweet-ass sauce. Like, you have to like sweet sauce. Mm-hmm. But, like, they've got their own little niche of Buffalo-style pizza. Like, it's different from everyone else's. You won't go someplace else and be like, this tastes like Imperial. See, that's where I think maybe Macy's has spoiled me. I'm As much as I love food and I love trying new places, if it ain't broke, I don't try to yeah, fix no, it. Yeah, no, I so hear you, man. Macy's was the first place, like, I went out sure. of my way to go try. Destination and, place. And I, and I loved it. I, it's different. I don't think I've ever gotten just a basic pizza from Macy's. Like, I have. It's kind of that's actually all I get is the cheese and pep, mostly. It's it's kind of cool though. Like I just like I think the I think the chicken finger burrata honestly is a is iconic. It, it's iconic. You, it, by the way, you you know you signed up for this show to turn into us talking a little bit about Macy's. Well, that's so what I mean, it's supposed come to be. On. Like no, like I, I'm excited to try Imperial, but the, that's my thing. Like I'm I don't think uh, I'm I'm still a neophyte when sure. it comes to Buffalo style pizza, the Picasso and. Uh, the Bochi Club and the uh, Lenova. I mean, I've, I've had Lenova because the Bills bring it in for lunch for us. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, not the same, though. That, that's you shouldn't judge Lenova Pizza on what it gets brought in in the stadium because it's not. It's that's it's not just, close to the same. It's just this is. Uh, I mean, we're in South Buffalo. I live in Allentown, and this is maybe the furthest down Abbott Road I've gone on purpose. You know, there. Yeah. Sometimes when there's too much traffic on on 190. Uh, I'll get impatient and I'll just try to cut all the way down Abbott sure. and get to the stadium. But you know, I'm not paying attention to what's around me. I'm just like, crap. Sean's talking in you know 13 minutes. Am I gonna get there on time? <laughs> like uh, I, I feel like I've done myself a disservice by not branching out too far to somewhere like this. So like I, I'm excited. Like I walked in, I was blown away. I'd say no pictures. Matter of fact, I, I'll be I'll be blunt. I, I was about to text in. I was like, man, like all these wing spots out here and and. Pat's telling us let's let's go to a pizza joint. Let's go to. I was like, man, I'm a little off- I, well, with Casey's Black Rock with you know uh, Casey's with, Black with uh, Massimer was it Massimers, Mimosers, Mimosers, mm-hmm. Mimosers out there. But then I saw you know pictures of the food and said, okay, you know, that, I've been wrong before. By the way, that is a follow up episode, Mamosers. Oh, we're gonna hit that. We're gonna that's hit a, Casey's. That's a follow up duo, Marcel and Nate. Because I need I need to be the one that indoctrinates. Marcel and Mamoser's wings, because those are the wings I grew up with. Um, but yeah, no, that's that. That's listen. As an honorary member of the Finer Wings Club, 
Um, do I do I get the t-shirts made? Is it my responsibility or? <laughs> Somebody told me on Twitter that once you get enough dates, you should get like the Finders Wing Club and have like a tour and all the places like kind of like a ro- old rock concert t-shirt. Yep. With all the places. We do need we do need a concert t-shirt. <laughs> no, a in, tour shirt. Yeah. Imperial, Imperial Pizza to me from from again I, I didn't grow up in South Buffalo, but I got a lot of friends in South Buffalo. I lived in Lackawanna, which is like right next door for many many years before going to Florida. Imperial's known for pizza and they're known for subs big subs like steak subs and stuff like that i never personally knew them for wings but i came in there a couple weeks ago and i enjoyed them i mean they're not like barville and elmo's but who who are or macy's you know what i mean but yeah and, and you guys brought up a good point and we'll talk about this because we're going to get some wings in a few minutes take a break um we'll consume them this is the finder wings club and then we'll talk about them but we all feel i know all three of us feel like there should be different categories for yeah. wings it's not just you know one place against all there's dive bars there's sports bars there's there's like restaurant type wings yeah. and and then the pizza joints can't forget about the, the pizzeria the, wings the pizza you, joints. it's hard to compare a, a pizzeria wing with like a traditional particularly like a dive bar wing because we're just working with different equipment like yeah. the thing that i love about this place about a pizzeria in general is the open pit you don't get that at the dive bar you don't get sure. that necessarily at the sports bar maybe you get a flat top but you're not getting like the charcoal pit and that's the difference between this place this is this is why imperial gives you a reason to come back because they're going to give you a wing that's different than the one you're going to go to almost to get the different one that you're going to go to barbell like they're going to bring different barbecue sauces to it but it's really less about the barbecue sauce and it's way more about the pit finish for me because well, that char on the outside, on, on it makes for me, and I know I, I I threw a hot take out in the first episode, but I don't like flats. So when I do eat a flat, I want it to be crispy. And it, like these are the pit wings are really the only flats that I enjoy. I, I think my question is this, though. This is a pizza joint. Obviously, it's Imperial Pizza. But this is also a, that's what I'm saying. This is place is a bar it, too. It's a, yeah, this is it's a, a full on sports bar. If this we is... came if we came from a restaurant right now and stuffed our faces somewhere else and weren't yeah one of those huge chicken sandwiches that you guys are always putting on Twitter that are so good, uh-huh. and we said you know what we're not hungry, you can still come here and just drink, man. You can sit there sit your ass right at the bar and there's six big TVs around the bar, a, a nice selection of beers. So there's a there's a lot going on. Before we take a break, I want to ask Marcel something because. Again, Nate and I talked a couple weeks ago about this. Nate is born and raised in Western New York, so you've been here pretty much your whole life. Marcel, this is your first summer in Buffalo, non-COVID, where you know things were normal. So you kind of came right before the season two years ago, mm. and then last year with COVID going on, but like things are, I don't want to say back to normal because they're not completely back to normal, but they're sort of back to normal. What are things, how's it been for you like this summer now that you've gotten a chance to be out and about and, and do more in Buffalo in nice weather too? Ironically, I feel like I played more golf last summer. Mm, uh, yeah. I feel like I played a lot I feel more. the same way. I definitely played better golf last summer. <laughs> I, I can't lie to you there. I can confirm that. But it's just like, it's, it's kind of been a, it's kind of been a blur, man. Um, was in just a completely different mindset last summer. Uh, had, a, you know, a couple things just personally going on that trying to, trying to push through. But uh, you know, it's been it's been enjoyable. You know, it, it's been enjoyable. Tried to travel a little bit more. Um, obviously, as since I, I haven't been here like any given weekend in July, right? But uh, you know, weather's been perfect. I can appreciate that. And uh, it, it just it's it's weird because I, I have not lived 
I've not lived anywhere this long post-grad in my life. Like I, I'm usually a, you know, there for a year and go type of type of person. So uh, it's just really, it feels like, uh, feels like home being here. That's now. cool. Like That's I feel, cool. I feel at home in Buffalo. And don't get it twisted. A lot of that has to do with the, the eats. Like this dude comes from a place where the things you can get here just aren't the things like listen no one's gonna tell you that like buffalo's got the tacos that out west has like no one's gonna tell you that some of the other different cuisines that you can go get in california and arizona like there's just a totally different culture of food here and i think that's probably what draws marcel here what probably listen i mean part of the reason it's been hard for me to leave is like i love chicken wings i mean you and me we both know listen i went on a diet I agreed to the diet because I was told I could eat chicken wings on the diet. So, like, the, these are decisions we make about our life here in chicken wings in Buffalo. And this dude loves chicken, and you maybe didn't come to a better place for chicken sandwiches. I, I There's some low-key, really good, like, chicken and waffle places in Buffalo. He took me uh, last weekend when we did uh, after golf. We went to um, Dirty Bird the Dirty Bird out in Niagara Falls after a round of golf, and I got chicken sandwich on belgian waffle with syrup on it pat wow with syrup on it wow. pat so this guy's showing me places now <laughs> like i said man it, it's uh and i just i like the the small kind of community aspect of it uh you know big city is cool and all like i've i've only really lived in small cities with the exception of phoenix um Charlotte is growing, but I don't know if it's, you know, right. I, I don't know if I call Charlotte a big city per se, but like, I like going into, I, I, I like texting Brian over at Brightsmith being like, Hey man, like you got some tables open tonight. I got a couple friends in town. Uh, you know, I, I like, and beyond food, I like going to, to, um, uh, dog days of Buffalo or, you know, I like going to, to get Morty groomed and, the owner's behind the counter and says, hey, man, like, I like your work. This trip is th – this visit's on me. Or some random person handing me a rolling rock at Frizzy's just saying, like, man, <laughs> right? follow you on Twitter. It's really good time. Like, I, I, I like that stuff, man. It's uh, – I, I don't know uh, – you know, obviously, this is – it's the last year of my deal and all that. But, like, it would be it would be hard to leave. It would take a, a hell of an offer to get out of Buffalo, man. That's good to hear. We will be right back. We are going to try some wings here at Imperial Pizza. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? 
you need Indeed. All right, we're back here, Imperial Pizza, Marcel, Nate. Um, man, holy shit, dude. <laughs> I, I dominated some wings there. I am, uh, I'm going to turn this over to you guys in a second, but so did you want us to do play by play of the women's ping pong Olympic tournament that's happening in the background? Cause if you need me to, I, I could probably, I could probably pull that up. <laughs> we're good with that, but we got some wings. All right. So what we got were medium because we get medium every single place that we go to. And then we always get one or two signature flavors. And in this case, we got some Logan, Loganberry barbecue. And then at the specific request of Marcel, we got some honey mustard barbecue. That what is that what it is? Yeah, honey mustard yeah. barbecue. Honey mustard barbecue. And uh, you, take Look, it away, man. Marcel. You start, start, Look, man. Because so I, I saw it last night on uh, on Instagram. I, I want to say Buffalo Wing Coalition posted it. I, I don't know. Um, I, like I'm sending them around to people. I was like, oh wow, like these are special. So I've had my heart set on that all day you know I, I love me some honey mustard and those blew me away that is like that's lick the plate sauce man agreed <laughs> that is uh you know he took it he took the empty plate away and I almost like stopped him like, eh, hold on it was a little sauce give me a couple minutes alone with this uh <laughs> yeah, everybody just kind of mind your business real quick but that was that was incredible uh perfectly crisp I love the tang and honestly love the Loganberry barbecue yeah as well I don't like Loganberry I I've been open Buffalo like Loganberry is not good Except it's on these terrible. wings, <laughs> like that is I, that was we, special. We're unanimous with that. Yeah. I feel the Logan same way. None of us, sucks. none of us like Loganberry. These all. Imperial Pizza may have saved Loganberry for for all three of us. <laughs> Nate, talk about the wings, the the crisp of them themselves, because you kind of you quipped here mm. and elaborate on this a little bit. You said these were some of the best cooked wings that you've had. Man. So when the manager came up and said to you, you said, "All right, well, Marcel's here. We should probably drop the wings so we can set up the timing of all this properly." It's like, all right, you know, give me like 22, 25 minutes. When he said 25 minutes, my ears kind of perked up. My, my eyes got real big. I'm like, this guy's going to bring us a really good plate of wings. And listen, you can disguise a crappy chicken wing with a good cook, you know, like with a good 25-minute delicious deep fry. And you add in the fact that you got 25 minutes in the fryer and then on the barbecue, on the, on the Loganberry barbecue and on the honey mustard barbecue, adding them on the pit for another minute. Those honey mustard barbecue were right up there with the Macy's honey mustard that I've had in terms of just best overall flavored specialty wing. But just all three wings were cooked. The, I, I said to you, the only other place that I've ever had that quality of a cook was at Dalmatia Hotel. I have not had – I'm a big crispy guy because I told you I don't like flats. Right. He – what they did in the back over there behind that big red brick wall, whatever they did back there – made me like lunge towards flats on the plate like i was not discriminatory in my wing eating today and that is a rarity for me like my girlfriend is a flat eater i'm a i'm a drum eater that's why we're great together and part of the reason that you know marcel and i are like you know food boys is because you know he likes flats i like drums we go at it he likes his drums but he's a flat guy i'm a drum guy i like the flag i feel like you just it's more it's a more efficient wing like yes drums can be bigger or usually are bigger you you probably get more meat but sometimes you just get like that just like hard chunk of of skin or fat or that's yeah, yeah, just yeah, not yeah. really you're talking about those legions like yeah those you know, those yeah. legions on top of the drumstick we talked about this with perino there's nothing better than the crispy 
uh, tumors on the top of the. <laughs> Speak for yourself. I'd rather eat all of the meat on my wing and that that flat. But I know tell it's me, tell 100% me this. edible. When when they are when they are not crispy wings and they get a little soggy. You're trying to tell me that a flat and a soggy wing is good because it. It is. There's nothing worse than that rubbery outer skin that separates from the meat. Yeah, like that's I mean, gross, bro. It's just. But a soggy wing is bad, no matter if it's a drum or a flat. But I will. I will consume the the drums because you get that level of crunch at the tops, though. Yeah, I guess like a soggy flat, and like you take one bite, and the nothing rest is kind of like slithers off. The there's skin just slithers nothing off. Nothing good about a soggy flat. So, None of that problem here. None cook, of those problems. The here. cook on these were all elite level. I liked the Loganberry barbecue, even though I'm not a big Loganberry guy. The medium was. I've done uh, I've done a lot of medium places. Those were really good because of how well they were cooked. The sauce wasn't just Frank's and butter. They had like a black pepper. They had something else going on in there that brought a little extra. That wasn't just Frank's half Frank's half butter. You know what I mean? So that's what I appreciated about that batch for sure. Let let me let me offer a, a quick take here. One more thing about Imperial, and then I want to wrap up with a couple minutes. I mean, I got two football guys that we're definitely going to talk a couple minutes worth of Buffalo Bills football at least. But I kind of alluded to this to both you guys before we came here. This place isn't really known as much for wings. And when a place is kind enough and gracious enough to host an episode of this podcast, I'm never going to bash them. Even if I don't think their wings are good, I'll find something else to say. And I told you guys this. You know, I'm gonna, we'll talk about the bar. We'll talk about the bear selection. Didn't just, have to. Right. I'm being legit here. And I also told you guys, you know, because you guys have had a lot of the elite wings and, and great flavors before that, hey, you know, this might not be right up there on that level but on some levels at least especially with those um honey mustard barbecue man yeah, those, those are right there with the best. i was gonna say you know like i was i was wrong in my skepticism first of all these are great and not even good just good for pizzeria wings that flavor i mean that's like nate said that's right up there with the the hot honey mustard yep at, at, at macy's as far as just best specialty wing in the city i think up there with that and the uh what is it the the cajun um, the Cajun Honey Butter Barbecue at Bar Bill, Whew. and what's the one at Elmo's? The uh, Cajun the, Double Dip. It, yes. No, it, it, no, well, Cajun Honey Mustard Double Dip. Yeah. Yes, Cajun Honey Mustard. It's right up there as far as I agree with that go. because the thing with the Cajun Honey Mustard Double Dip at Elmo's, the thing that you like the most about it, first of all, is there is the pit on it, but it's more than just the honey mustard. There's the perfect amount of vinegar, the perfect amount of spice, and the perfect amount of mustard that are together that make a really good sauce. But I'm telling you, with the honey mustard, the pit matters, man. Like, you you throw the pit with the good honey mustard sauce, I mean, it's just, it ends up, like, I totally agree with him. And me and him are both honey mustard guys. That was a really damn good honey mustard. That's coming like, that tastes straight out of South Carolina as far as just that that honey mustard type. That vinegary, yeah. yeah. That's special. That's really awesome. A couple things here as we wind down. So, Bill's training camp starts today. I know this is an exciting time for both you guys. It's also going to be a very busy time. Nate, you're going to be on the air. you got a lot more to talk about now starting today. Marcel, obviously, you're on the beat. You're going to be there every day. you got your COVID tested today. It's going to be at, at the stadium. So, obviously, the excitement's there. I don't need to ask you that if you're excited. Of course you're excited. It'd be stupid to be uh, anything otherwise. But are you concerned, as well, especially in this case, at least for Marcel, because you're going to be there in the locker room or, or at least on the field, you know, at practices, on the beat. Are you concerned right now about what's going on with COVID? I'm not saying it's 
well, there's not outbreaks going on, but mm. is, is there cause for concern? Like, are you concerned a little bit right now in terms of, like, just outbreaks with the team and, and things like that? Like, concern for my personal safety? Or? No, not so much that. I mean, I, I'm sure you are to an extent, but just your job. You know, you've waited a long time to, to be able to cover the team the way hopefully you're going to be able to cover them now going forward. You know, are you oh. concerned about how quickly that could change? You know, what I will say, um, something I don't think people are talking about uh, as far as vaccination rates go in the NFL, uh, you know, the league is rightfully touting uh, the, the rising rates, you know, as, as camp starts. I, I think we've got, you know, most teams are at, they're at like 80% of its players, of mm-hmm. the league's players are vaccinated and so on and so forth. I'm curious what happens to those numbers once 40, I mean, to, with all due respect, once 40 or so camp bodies who are going to do whatever it takes to give them an advantage right. are no longer on the team anymore. Right. What do those what do those uh, rates look like point. when it's just 53 players? Because I, I, I'm not sure... If we're going to be, I'm not sure if the league is going to be so, you know, braggadocious, so so outwardly forthcoming about what those percentages are. I, I, I don't think that's a point that's been brought up very often. It hasn't. So uh, it's a good one. It's I, I think it's there's cause for concern here, man. Like that, that Delta variant is still raging through this country. We got areas. I think I believe the CDC either made or, or was going to make an announcement recommending even vaccinated people re-mask up when you're indoors in certain hot areas of the country. I, I, I just don't know if, uh, I don't know, but I was also I was skeptical last year about whether or not they'd actually finish a season. And, you know, they did with a little bit of chop. The NFL had to jump through a couple hoops. We had a Tuesday game um, down in Nashville. There was a Wednesday game up in Pittsburgh. The NFL has said straight up this year, we're not doing all that. You get 18 weeks to finish this season out. We're not scheduling a game for a Wednesday or Thursday. You, If your team is responsible for the outbreak, you are forfeiting and you're paying for it. So that's what I, I was wondering today is, you know, if, uh, you know, you say fans fans buy tickets to this game. Most of these stadiums are, are full capacity now. If that game is canceled, those fans obviously have to be refunded. Is it the forfeiting team that's refunding those fans? I believe so. When the NFL said they're financially responsible, like that was a that was a hammer, that was a hammer, uh, as far as you know, a mandate without actually being a mandate goes. Like they, the league is just really not playing games this year, and I I think locally, I think there's cause for concern in Buffalo. Yeah, uh, they didn't get through last season unscathed. Tommy Sweeney didn't play at all in part because he contracted myocarditis. They had several outbreaks throughout the year. I mean. I mean Josh Norman, um, Dawson Knox, uh, Tyler Croft. Like, uh, there were several players that contracted COVID-19. Um, you know, I, I don't wish that on anybody. I hope that they get through the season healthy in that regard. But, you know, uh, everybody's got a choice here. Everybody has their right to choose, I guess. But uh, there's going to be consequences for whatever choices you make. I had Nate's colleague, Sal Capaccio, of course, on the show last week, and we discussed – he was talking about being a little uncertain still on protocols and how it was going to be covering the team, like, you know, locker room access and interviews and stuff like that. Do you sec- do you have that kind of uncertainty going on right now? Have you gotten some kind of clarity on what you're going to be able to do and not do at this point at least? Um, I don't know if we're going to be allowed in the locker room. And uh, if we are, 
then maybe it's a situation where it's only on the road or we just are, are very limited in, in that locker room availability. Um, we are going back to in-person interviews, though, for vaccinated media. Uh, so that'll be the first. That'll be the first in more than a year. I think the last in-person interview I've done was Brandon being at the Combine in 2020. Wow. The Combine that really it was a miracle we got out of it unscathed. So, uh, no, that'll be that's a that's a that's a difference. That's a positive step. Uh, we're already, you know, vaccinated media, not required to wear a mask outside at practice. That's awesome. That I'm not going to lie. That sucked last year during sure. training camp. And it's 90 degrees outside. It's humid. You're just it, that was awful. Um, you know, it was nice to be watching football in person. But looking back on it, man, I'm, I'm glad that we've moved beyond that. Uh, but it looks like we're about to we're traveling this year. I mean, I've, I've booked a couple trips already. Uh, I'm going to be able to provide real commentary, real content or context when the team is on the road. I felt like I was hardly able to do my job watching it from TV, like just compared to actually being at the game. And it's, uh, you know, obviously we like to travel. Like I'm not going to sit here and act like that didn't bum me out. But sure. just game day itself. I mean, I, I'm behind. I stream like I don't have cable, so like I'm two plays behind. What am I going to provide for you when you've seen the play already? It just <laughs> it was it was brutal, man. But like like I said, it, it, it seems like uh, you know access is, is trending positively uh, because there's no fans at training camp. We're very limited in what we can actually report. Um, you know, it's as I explained. I think last year it's a lot easier to control the message outside of camp when it's 30 or so media members compared to 2000 or so fans like you're not going to like tell fans no tweeting from the game because people aren't gonna listen or right. no tweeting from practice right people aren't gonna listen so i'm sure those rules will be a little laxed once uh for those three practices that are open but beyond that i mean don't expect death chart position battles don't expect lineups don't expect strategy we are not allowed, and they will pull our credential, and that's our job. That's our livelihood. Yeah, and to your point earlier, for, for you guys and girls in, in the media, there's worse things in having to travel to New Orleans and, and Nashville and Tampa and, and Miami this year. On the football side, Nate, doing, the, doing sports talk on the radio, give me one or two training camp battles besides – Everyone knows Levi Wallace and Dane Jackson. That's definitely one to look forward to. But, like, what is a positional – maybe it's a roster bubble battle. Maybe it's a, a depth chart battle, a, a battle for a starting job. Like, what are one or two positions or, or, or battles, I should say, that you're really looking forward to seeing how they start to play out over the next handful of weeks or so? I think the the easy one is just look at left guard. Um, I think maybe people are a little quick to say, well, Cody Ford was a second-round pick of this team, this regime – and there was a trade-up. They bring in Forrest Lamp, and Forrest Lamp was the same exact 38th overall draft pick that Cody Ford was the year prior to Cody Ford. Mm -hmm. This is a former, what, 16 games last year? Started 15 games, 16 games last year for Los Angeles, right? Like, And Ike Bocker looked better than Cody Ford. I thought the offense looked better as a whole when he was in, particularly from a pass protection standpoint. I think there are two players that are sitting behind Cody Ford that are borderline better players um, at the position that have played the position longer. And to, to no fault other than, I think, the fact that the team had sort of mismanaged Cody Ford over the first two years of his career, 
bouncing from tackle, going back to guard, getting injured last year. That's like probably the marquee battle I'm looking at because I'm convinced that if Cody Ford wins the wins that battle, he's got the shortest leash of any Bills starter in the offensive or defensive lineup. So he has a couple bad games in a row. They they went on and got Forrest Lamp. He has a couple bad games in a row. They've got Butker. So they've got guys in the interior of that offensive line that have some versatility um, that, I, that I ultimately think could end up getting the nod if Cody Ford doesn't play well or if he doesn't win the starting job. That's, to me, the most interesting storyline story of training camp. If Cody Ford doesn't win the starting left guard job, do they trade him like they traded Wyatt Teller? Do they just try to move on? And, and the question is, is it too early to move on from Cody Ford? There's a lot of variables at play for him at the left guard position. So I think that's like the real obvious one. I think the second one that maybe not a lot of people are talking about, and I know Sale brought up one the other day when I had him on Sports Talk Saturday. He said, you know, who's taking over for Dean Marlowe? Um, I think there's a couple of guys that are that are going to be vying in training camp for that. But I, I think the other really interesting battle um, that that's going to be playing out in training camp for me, anyways, is tight end. Um, you know, they go out and they get Jacob Hollister. He already sort of has a rapport playing in college with Josh Allen. He to me is a very different type of player than Dawson Knox. I think there's a world where they're going to play a little bit more 12 personnel this year, and both of those guys get on the field. But like, I look at the vertical game of Jacob Hollister and what he was able to do in Seattle with Russell Wilson. And it sort of speaks to me that I feel like if you're looking for a guy in the red zone, if you're looking for a guy that can that can potentially give you more opportunities to run 12 personnel, see two tight ends on the, t- on the field at the same time, rotate in and out different personnel packages, how that ends up looking is going to be really interesting to me. So, like, I, I think tight end is an interesting battle on who gets more steps, Jacob Hollister or Dawson Knox. I think Dawson Knox gets the benefit of the doubt because this, this team drafted him. But he's another guy, I think, on a really short leash. Like, if he starts having those drop issues that he had last year, he drops a touchdown or two, and you could be looking at them moving towards Tommy Sweeney and Jacob Hollister uh, in that position. So those are, like, the two that I've been really looking at. Marcel, two weeks ago when we were at Mulberry taping, we were going over a couple, like, potential red flags or players to be at least a little bit concerned about, and Dawson Knox came up which was pretty ironic because about what? He eight, was sitting one table eight, away eight, from us. Eight to ten feet away from us was Dawson Knox sitting down See, that's, having dinner. That's, that, is, that is journalism 101. <laughs> you don't care where that dude is sitting. You'll say it to his face. <laughs> Marcel, the other Bills question I wanted to ask you is the defensive end position. Not so much about who's going to make the team or not because, I mean, Jerry Hughes isn't going anywhere. A.J. Vanessa isn't. Obviously, the two rookies aren't. But, like, in terms of playing time, are we – a lot of people are assuming that Rizzo and Basham are going to be brought along very slowly. Is that something that should automatically be assumed, or do you think one or two of these guys are going to have an opportunity to uh, do some things early on? I think Basham, uh, I think Basham gets more playing time earlier than than Rousseau does, just because Rousseau's still shaking off some of that rust. He hasn't really played organized football in two years. I mean, shoot, by the time they put the pads on for the first time, I think that'll be the first more or less full contact, quote unquote. Uh, football he's played since 2019. Yeah. So, uh, but Basham, his ability to to not only play end but to rotate inside, play a little three tech, the uh, D tackle, um, you know, especially on on pass rush downs. I think that's going to be vital. You put him and Ed Oliver next to each other. You put Mario Addison. You put uh, AJ Epinesa or Jerry Hughes. I mean, there's so many different combinations that you can find with those with those guys. But uh, I think before the end of the year. We're going to see those guys as a regular part of this rotation. Um, it sounds like, and like you said, Jerry Hughes isn't going anywhere. Uh, obviously, obviously, Epinesa, 
Basham Rousseau. They're not going anywhere. That's four locks right there. Sounds like they have a legitimate plan for Mario Addison as well. Um, and then even beyond that, they're still F.A. Obata. They're still yeah. um, Daryl Johnson Jr., who I, they love and is a special team star. So I, I think they, they keep six defensive ends for the first time in, in the Brandon Bean era. They've always capped it at, at five at most. So uh, and, and that's going to that's going to have implications further down the rosters. For example, how many quarterbacks do they keep on this final 53? Right. Do they keep three again? Who knows? Do they keep six or seven wide receivers? Uh, you know, how, how many who's, who's on the chopping block when it comes to the tight ends? As Nate said, on the offensive line as well, they generally keep around 10. A sacrifice just has to be made at some other position because I think defensive end was such a focal point this offseason that they can't afford to come into the season shorthanded in that regard. A couple more things. Do you think Josh Allen's going to get a new deal before the season starts or do you think he's going to go into the season with his current deal? It's for either of you guys. No, I think I think he, he signs a new deal before week one. Uh, similar trajectory as the Tredavious White and and Deion Dawkins uh, deals love last year. Uh, I think it's a goal from the team's perspective to get something done before the Ravens and Lamar Jackson do. While I think on the flip side, on Josh Allen's perspective, he wants Lamar to sign beforehand because, you know, it, there, you can argue, obviously Lamar has had more individual success with that MVP uh, award, but Josh has had more team success over the past couple of years. He's got, you know, he's taken his team further in the playoff. He has playoff wins under his belt. So, uh, and very well could have, would have won MVP last year were it not for Aaron Rodgers, Herculean, uh, you know, piss the owners off or piss the front office off, off season. But uh, yeah, if, I, if I'm Buffalo, what, whatever you want, man, like whatever you want. Let's get this done in September so that we're not playing catch up, uh, you know, come next season. And so that's not a distraction. I, I, I think it's going to be asked about throughout the year. And, and so, yeah, I, th I, I think we see them on the same timeline as those guys last year. Um, last question. I'm going to skip any COVID talk amongst the team with Twitter and all that stuff. I, I got a feeling things they're, they're going to work themselves out, I believe. Once they get in the locker room and if it becomes an issue, then you guys will have something to write about and something to talk about, obviously, on the air. So I'm going to skip that. Here's what I want to end with. You talked about team success, Marcel. Both you guys can answer this. I've been a Bills fan. I'm older. I've been around for a long time, and it's been a long time since I've seen these types of expectations with this football team. Last year was a was a great season. I don't want to say they came out of nowhere because they made the playoffs the year before, but I don't think many people expected them to do what they did last year or Josh to have the kind of season that he did last year. But now with that comes – very, very, very high expectations. I mean, pretty much whether it's ESPN or anywhere you go, you look at, you know, preseason or whatever power rankings, the Bills are in the top three to five pretty much everywhere. Are you a little bit concerned about how this team will be able to handle these expectations? Because, again, in Buffalo, it's, quite frankly, it's just not something that Buffalo's used to. Yeah, that's a major storyline, something that I, I plan on writing about somewhat extensively. And it is that transition from underdog to contender. This is a part of rebuilds that a lot of teams don't get to. It, when when you stop, you know, when you're able to fully shed that skin and that 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 stigma of being a, a mediocre, underachieving team and, and step into the light as, 
you know, with the target on your back. Like you're getting everybody's A game anytime you step on the field. And if you listen to these interviews over the past two, three years, every time they achieve some moniker of success, there's always a little bit of that. They thought we couldn't do it. Nobody thought we were this. This isn't the same old Buffalo Bills. Nobody believes that anymore. Like people know exactly who y'all are. They are damn near unanimous AFC East favorites this season. So I am interested in, in how they how they approach that. It, it is something that, I mean, tomorrow we get Brandon Bean, we get Sean McDermott. It is something that once the, uh, I'm sure the, the vaccination onslaught uh, of questions are done, it is something that I do want to hear from both men about. What do you think, Nate? We'll end it with you. What do you think about uh, the, the lofty expectations with this team and if you feel like so, the boys are handling it? These are the highest expectations of my lifetime. Um. So it's certainly in. A, I'm, I'm, it's a. It's a weird place for me, uh, for sure. I, I think going into last year, there were expectations for the team to be better. I think maybe the expectation for me was to get to that Ravens game, um, but to ultimately win that game, the bill. The thing that the, that really, if you're predicting records year to year, uh, one of his colleagues, Mike Clay, does this, and you use the data to back up those decision making processes. The Bills' 2020 season, with how many one-possession games they won, they're the, they're the sort of team that you would look at as an easy regression bet, a team that wouldn't necessarily win 13 or 14 games again, right? So from my perspective, they're a team that figured out how to I, – I think I view it a little bit different than maybe the numbers would view it, right, where that's a good prog- uh, regression candidate is teams that win a lot of one-score games – my thing is, in a Sean McDermott-type system, winning close games, that's something this franchise has had a, such a hard time doing. Um, it's what has kept them out of – that's what a lot of the years kept them out of the playoffs for 17 straight years was their inability to win those close games. And now I think they're the type of team that when they get in those situations, they have the quarterback, they got the play caller, and now they have a head coach who that in those crunch time situations – makes the right calls, whether it's timeouts, whether it's going for two, whether it's punting, right? Going for it on fourth down. They have the aggressive style head coach that plays the numbers in those really important situations throughout the game. They have a quarterback that you could put the ball in his hands in the final two minutes, and he's the kind of guy that can take you on a you know, 15-play or a five-play drive and win you a football game in the fourth quarter. That, to me, is the biggest difference between this team and years that I remember is they have a lot of those things that you need to be a team that wins those one-score games because let me tell you, even the Chiefs, I mean, they had like something, I think, double-digit one-score game wins last year. And you wouldn't think that of a Chiefs team, but like this is a, a league that it's even the worst teams. I mean, look, the only Chiefs loss last year is the Raiders. Did you feel for one minute the Bills had were even close to losing that game against the Raiders? No. no. Oh. Right, so it's a it's a it's a fluky league at times. So for me, the big thing with this team is they know how to win those close games. They've got a quarterback that can put the ball in his hands to win those games, and they've got a head coach that knows has a feel for his team and the pulse of a game and making those decisions at the right at the right time. So that's to me why I think the expectations are fair. They're lofty, but I think they're fair, and I, I think they're a good enough team to to repeat at least what they did last year. All right, guys. Good stuff, man. That'll do it for this episode of Fighter Wings Club. Talking Buffalo Podcast. 
coming to you from Imperial Pizza, 1035 Abbott Road. Like I said, I knew the place was nice. I knew the bar was cool. The the, the vibe is nice. But honestly, guys, I did not expect those wins. Me either, man. No, that was blown away. Yeah, I'm blown away. Unbelievable. Marcel and I will be back. Yes, you will. 